0: Every time As I cry
1: Welcome to Notes from Above, the program that explores the intersection of music and faith. And I am your co-host, Deacon Tom Lowy.
0: I'm such a Sarah Burdick. And um, am I in the right show?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you... I
0: mean, like, I don't know what's going on.
1: Well, I'll tell you. This what is, do you tell me? There's a little bit of a story here. And okay. and, uh, and, and we're going to get right to that story as soon as we can here. uh, uh Back during, I think it was the Feast of the Assumption, Feast of Assumption, uh, I was, uh, over at St. Patrick's Church in Brighton, Michigan. Full house. There are 700 people. I'm not kidding you. It was full. That's good. And, um, I heard this organ being played and I was going, that's really quite good. Whoever's playing that organ is quite good. So I wanted to go and introduce myself after, after Mass. And I met this man by the name of Steve Royal and, um, he, he and I, uh, you know, you know, we did, we were, we immediately sort of like kind of knew each other in a sense. Huh. Uh, like, like, like. Cause you play organ and. He plays well. No, no. I felt like an old friend. No, sister. I felt like an old friend. He plays okay. mouth organ. <laughs> I play mouth oh, yeah, organ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. You're Steve good. Steve's already Steve's He's, in the room with us yes. right now. Okay. Anyhow, uh, uh, we went out for a cup of coffee, and uh, we started talking, and he started telling me about his his uh, conversion to Christ. And I think that that is... Uh, that, I, I said, well, we should go and, and do an interview on Notes from Above to talk about how we as people sometimes uh, find Jesus. And uh, so I thought that... What a great idea. And the idea of it was to do a a testimony with musical landmarks. Oh, cool. And so Steve has picked every single one of these selections. Okay. And the first one that we heard was a a piece called Epithet from a, a band called King Crimson, and in my life... Steve, I didn't think I would ever play King Crimson on Notes from Above, <laughs> so I'm so excited that Is you... it
0: really a note from below? I mean,
1: it's way below. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. This All is, right. uh, but it's awesome stuff. Uh, that was Greg Lake, by the way, on the vocals. Just, just, you know, a terrific <clears throat> performance there. Steve, welcome to us from Above. We'll start there.
2: Thank you for having me. Yeah, Steve, uh, tell tell us why yeah, why would you choose this particular piece? Well, I prayed about it and I felt I should choose this, and I kind of sweated over it, and then you said it was a good piece, so we went with it. Um, so, you know, you asked me to give my testimony, so I'll just go back a little bit. Uh, I was uh, raised by a mom who was a believer, and she read all the Bible stories to us, and she was uh, raised Baptist. And then my dad, who was no longer a believer, who was also raised Baptist by a very severe father, so he rejected the faith because mm-hmm. his father was very legalistic. Um, but they all joined; they both joined the Methodist Church because they lived in a little community of the closest town had two hundred people, and that was the only church with a little steeple there. Mm-hmm. So I was raised in that uh, environment. Uh, we switched to the other Methodist church in the slightly larger town of 3,000 people, and it was a liberal Methodist church. And what I mean by that is uh, many of the doctrines that Catholics would hold as doctrine were up for grabs. Oh, well, You didn't have to believe the virgin birth may or may not have happened. One mm. pastor even wasn't sure that the resurrection even happened. Oh, all my month. goodness. And he said the sacrifice was barbaric and something from older primitive religions, and we should ignore all that. So... um the another pastor uh, I uh, went through confirmation with, because they did have confirmation classes in junior high, and this is, pertains to this story a little bit. Uh, we He went around at the end of confirmation class, and I, none of us knew why we were there. He went around the confirmation class when we were in junior high and asked why each of us thought we were Christian. And everybody went around the room and I could tell people were just kind of making up an answer. And it got to me. And I perhaps I would say because of the biblical background my mother gave me, I started crying. Uh, and I said, I have no idea what being a Christian means. Hmm. Because I was never taught anything about, as good as my mother was, we never talked about salvation through the cross of Christ. He died for our sins. And through that sacrifice, we are set free and able to go to heaven and, and be sanctified. Didn't hear any of that. Just Bible stories. And so I said, I don't know if I'm Christian or not. Hmm. And he said to my mother later, he's the most Christian of all because he's sincere. Well, that's classic liberal Protestant theology of the time. We would sing all these old revival hymns, but the the theology was up for grabs. Hmm. And I thought, if that's all there is to it, forget this. And I flicked the bird to the sky, Hmm. made it official, and decided to experiment with life and try everything out. And I did could not be sure there was a God at all. So that began a journey. So the song you just heard by King Crimson, of course, reflects that kind of agnosticism or that despair. Uh, I loved this song back then. I discovered it on a WCFL, an old Chicago station. With I
1: remember WCFL. We had
2: every Saturday night with Subterranean Circus. That's right. And
1: then they had the chicken man. He's everywhere, he's everywhere. I don't yeah, know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, no? if I do. Oh, see? Yeah.
2: And I listened to that. You're out of
0: my league, man. So uh, that's all right. Subterranean
2: <laughs> Circus is what I listen to. We used to have what we call underground music, anything that wasn't a hit at the time. And this song came on, and of course, you know, the key line is in there is, you know, now I forgot the line, knowledge... Uh, knowledge is a, dead, a, knowledge deadly, is a friend. deadly friend if no one sets the rules. Well, I had thrown all the rules out. Mm. And so I thought, I don't know if there's truth. I don't know if there's anything. And, huh. I, you know, I fear tomorrow I will be crying. Yeah. So I lived the rest of my life as a... I called myself a practicing atheist. I enjoyed reading Sartre. I enjoyed... Uh, I was very much a behaviorist determinist. And... Um, but the story that went on from there is that uh, when I went to college, uh, I was kind of confronted with that reality again, and I thought, well, I have uh, Albert Camus said in his book, The Myth of Sisyphus, the real question is whether to commit suicide or not, Wow! because they were coming from a society that once believed in God and no longer did, so life can be absurd. So I thought, well, I could commit suicide, or I could go live as a bum in the street because all there is is food, water, and sex. That's behaviorism. Mm-hmm. There's really no reason to get a degree. There's no reason to have a particular goal. So maybe that's what I should do. So you were invested in this idea. And let's, let's well, I've always been a, I've always been a <clears throat> seeker of truth, if you say. Okay. I don't want to brag about it, but I'm one of those kind mm-hmm. of people that values truth more than comfort. That's mm-hmm. good. You know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, But praise God, a guy across the hall was a Catholic who was thinking about becoming a priest? I'd never really met a Catholic up close before. <laughs> and uh, the other guy down the hall was a fundamentalist with a group called the Navigators. Where did you go to school? Western Michigan University. Oh, okay. Classic party school. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> you indeed. said it, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of smoke and haze in the hallways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they were praying together, the fundamentalist and John Ammon. And John, if you're out there somewhere, I've never found you ever again. So if you're Aww, listening, look me up. I hope so. That'd be wonderful. And uh, he was, and they they prayed for me, plus my Pentecostal friend back home. Well, what, why would they mother. have prayed for you? Well, they were trying to get me saved. I see. I see. The, he the, was a they practicing you,
0: atheist.
1: Right, yeah. but they knew you well enough to. to oh say, yeah, this guy John needs and prayer.
2: I have discussions about existentialism versus he liked Plato and. We'd have all these discussions, and he was the first intelligent Christian I ever met, so that impressed me.
1: Well, now, what were you going to, to the university for? What was it? You had a uh, degree in
2: mind? Uh, parents were paying most of the bill, and it's what you did in our family.
1: I see. I see. Yeah. So whatever I, comes up, that's it.
2: I, had yeah. no, I, had, I didn't really have much a vague idea at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. I do. I, I, I ended up getting a degree in social work because okay. I wanted to help the poor, but okay. that's another story. Yeah. Um, but they prayed for me, and I had played organ in high school, uh, had been in a little miniature rock band, and played in a Gata DeVita by Iron Butterfly, it was the only thing we could play. <laughs> and then, <laughs> that was junior high, and then in high school, I, everybody, um, most of my siblings, two of my siblings and my mother played for church, so playing for church was sort of a given, it was nothing special. And I got found I was very really addicted to playing organ. And um, I really took piano lessons to become a jazz pianist. You and I have talked about that. Yeah, yeah. I liked Arnett Cobb, Duke Ellington. I love jazz, Miles Davis. Oh, man. But I, I worked with this teacher in Kalamazoo. My mother dragged me all, all the way to this very good teacher, Sylvia Muelling. And I'd be playing this simple stuff, because I was really pretty, pretty much a beginner. And I played this little transcription of the Brandenburg Concerto. And it goes, dun, 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 dun. And she said, Bach knew the power of the scale and suddenly I got it. I understood why classical music was great. Mm-hmm. I just instinctively know mm-hmm. that all that theory, they make work into energy in mm-hmm. classical music wow. in complex ways. Well,
1: we, you know, here's what we're going to have to do here. We, yes. This is a great conversation. We'll keep it going here. Yes. Um, we're going to be moving into something that is highly classical. I mean, talk about a segue. Yes. This, this is a, an excerpt uh, from uh, the Ninth Symphony. Yes. This is the fourth yes. movement of
2: that. Uh, and this was still before I was a Christian. Before.
1: I just, so should yeah. should we come uh, play it and then, yes, and then come back? On? Let's, let's do that. I mean, this is such a beautiful piece. We, you just have to listen to it. And then uh, on the other side, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more. Yeah, with, I discovered
2: uh, Beethoven's symphonies and rock and roll and jazz went out the door drove at that Throw that morning. out, yeah. yeah. Okay, so
1: we're going <laughs> to talk a little bit more with uh, Steve Royal and... and Sister Sarah Burdick and myself on notes from above. love that
0: that Uh, one knocked me out of my seat
1: oh that was just beautiful that's from beethoven's ninth symphony the final thing that he ever ever composed and uh uh, that's from the fourth movement, and actually, the, it, it comes in with the, with that huge choir. The Alle Menschen werden Brüder, all men shall become brothers, uh, from uh, uh, Friedrich uh, uh, Schiller's Ode to Joy, which is what what Beethoven quotes in his Ninth Symphony. That was the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra with the New York uh, Choral Artists under the direction of Franz Welser-Möst. Uh, now, that's that's so dramatic from where we, what we were talking about. What leads to this and what comes well, out I, of this? this
2: is just a road of discovering new forms of music, jazz, classical, like I said, from see, kind of from that King Crimson era. Uh, but this kind of reflects, um, you know, here you have Beethoven, who loved the French Revolution and who loved the Brotherhood of Man, but he was not a classic Christian, by any sense. Mm-hmm. But he was uh, looking for, you know, maybe uh, sort of a humanism.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, and during that era of my life, I was looking at other philosophies and other religions and pantheism and, you know, humanism and various things. Well, maybe we
1: should go and tell the audience, pantheism, tell Mm. us about that. Uh, Well, how would would you define that?
2: Pantheism is just simply that everything, now here I should, I'm not going to give you an accurate description, everything is part of God. There is no separate deity from the universe. All of the universe is God. Right. It's, you know, Indian tradition. Right. Hinduism, kind of gotcha, thing. Yeah. gotcha.
1: So it's yeah. not, it's not a transcendent God. It's actually an immanent God. Right. God and, is and, and everywhere. And we would
2: try to be part, make sure we meditate to be part of that everywhere. Be I part gotcha. of that. Uh-huh. Be one, and that's usually found within.
1: Right. Is this, is this something that that because uh, you were coming from an atheist point of view?
2: I was just experimenting with different things. I was okay, so you're just looking, truth, yeah, so, yeah, truth seeking, truth, the different areas, yeah.
1: Okay, so this, this is more of an intellectual uh, development. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so. um was this still... Were you still at Western when... when
2: uh... No, this was 10th grade and I discovered Be- Beethoven. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah. still yeah. a youngster. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like I said, after that, the rock and roll... And- I still, I still listen to some jazz fusion, but uh, yeah. yeah. Nothing, then I went on my classical thing. It was just, everything I listened to was classical. Preferred 20th century composers, but Beethoven, still love Beethoven.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even to this day, yeah, I'm yeah. sure of that, yeah. yeah.
2: So amazing,
1: amazing sh- uh, shifts that uh, that do occur in, in our, our minds and our hearts. Tell us about your walk. Tell us about... we were, excuse yeah. me,
0: but we were... We went to college, and you were talking about the two guys that were praying for you. Yeah, yeah. I, so thanks, maybe sister. Yeah. You so, yeah, let's go there. I got there.
2: on a sidetrack because <clears throat> I played organ in high school. Okay. With Bell Bottoms and Long Hair and Medallions, <laughs> and I was not a believer in my, but I played organ anyway because I liked the instrument. Um, when I went to college, I took some organ lessons. So the, the the story here behind this is they were praying for me all year. Um, I wasn't fully aware of that, but they they brought me to the room and gave me the four, uh, is it the bridge? The the, four spiritual laws? The four spiritual laws. I just just yelled at him and yelled at him and said, all I want to do is live and die. I just want to die. I don't want to go to heaven. Just die. Wow. Wow. you know, and we're, that's the great adventure. You know whatever. They thought, "Well, you're weird." Uh,
0: <laughs> that's right. We're gonna pray. The gospel that.
2: tracks didn't work on me, ah. but uh, I was practicing in the organ room, and it was a piece by Brahms that he wrote late in his life. And Brahms was a very religious man. He was writing a choral piece, yearning to be with God in heaven. Hmm. I wasn't taking that into account, but I think that piece had in the anointing of the Holy Spirit on that on it. And I say that because mm. the anointing of music can change a person's life.
0: Absolutely.
2: And I was practicing that piece. And I, out of the blue, I said to myself, and this was totally out of the blue. I couldn't believe I was saying this. I said, well, I've been told since, this is the Pascalian wager. If all this Jesus stuff is mm. true, mm-hmm. that people are hitting me up on, and if Jesus comes tomorrow, which sounds ridiculous, and heaven and hell is real, he comes tomorrow, I'll end up in hell. So what the hell? I might as well take a risk and believe. At least I'd be happy for a short time.
0: Pascal's wager. Yeah, that's right.
2: And I thought, this is going to be over in six weeks or six months. I don't know why. I had no idea why. I was saying it out loud. I had no idea why I was saying it. Wow. Wow. Out of the blue. That's prayer. That's the power of prayer. (laughs) The next day I thought, well, I made this decision, and what do Christians do? They read the Bible. So I flip open the Bible, and I flipped right open to Ecclesiastes. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. I thought, what is atheist existentialism doing in the Bible?
1: Uh, Exactly (laughs) right.
2: And I thought, I I read more. Of course, at the end of Ecclesiastes, it says, you know, it, it, it makes sense out of it, whether it's the same writer or not. But I... The next few days, I would mm. pray things and open up books, and I get exactly the answers looking for. And it pointed to God. and I thought, "Holy crap, this might be true," <laughs> 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 because the answers were such that no one would know how to answer that unless they knew me on the inside mm. as much as I did, and it almost seemed like they knew me more than I did. Uh-huh. And this, start, these miracles—not just flipping books, but happened day after day after day. Which anybody who converts to Christ. Mm experiences this. I mean, a lot of people do. Are you sensing that God is talking to you right God, now? I saw, I, well, then I had to figure out this. Okay, is this a God? Is this Jesus? Or is this a spirit? I became aware because ah. there's, there's, I was not practicing telepathy. I was not going to meditation. There's no ESP. There's nothing that was coincidental I could figure out. People didn't even know I was doing this. So I thought, I think there's, this is evidence it's a spirit realm. And I thought, is Jesus a conceited spirit? So then I took a degree in world religions, and there's another book about how the name of Jesus conquered every demon. And I thought, okay, Jesus is real. Jesus is Lord. And then I made kind of the final decision after a year to really follow him. Right. Well,
1: you know, uh-huh. I'll tell you, we're going to go, uh, and not, not right away, but uh, sure. I, I want you to set this up a little bit because we're going to come to the close of the first half of Notes from Above. But um, you've chosen a very interesting piece, one that I have done many, many times You know, uh, for, for uh, weddings that, that ah. I've performed at and so on. Maybe you can give us a little bit of a setup on this, and then we'll play it, because it is, it is a classic, and many people know it.
2: The summer after I, I made the decision to follow Christ, I listened to this in a Bach cantata all summer. And this is Paul Stuckey, mm-hmm. the wedding song. Okay. And this album showed me, and I had had relationships in my life. This is showed me that God loved me and God could love me in the same way a man and a woman love each other. That romance is real. Mm-hmm. That love is not an illusion. And what I really longed for, I could have in a love relationship with God as a lover. And also that wedding is a good thing. I mean, marriage is a good thing. Yeah, 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 yeah right. That was huge to me. Mm-hmm. That yeah. human relationships are real, it's good, but that's how it's a symbol of God loving us mm-hmm. in covenant.
1: Yeah.
2: It was massive. Wow, it's a massive revelation to me. Wow. So that's why I picked this song.
1: That's awesome. stunning. I'm so I'm so happy that, that you did because it's it's I, I, I'm in agree with you. I, I think that's exactly the, the way it is. He is a good God who loves,
0: Amen. indeed,
1: indeed, who pursues us. Exactly. The piece is called the Wedding Song. Listen to it. It's so beautifully performed. This is uh, Paul Stookey uh, performing with uh, Peter Paul and Mary. Let's listen to it, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you on the other side.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Sir mm-hmm.
1: Music erupting out of a bed of silence. Uh, welcome back to Notes from Above, the program that explores the intersection of music and faith. And I am your co-host, Deacon Tom Lowy.
0: I'm Sister Sarah Burdick, and I'm going to ask the same question I asked at the beginning of the show. Am, am I on the right show?
1: Yeah, you are. You I, definitely are. Am I are. really? For real? Well, actually, I think, I think <gasps> this show was made for this. It really was. Made With, for what? Well, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me go. We'll, Come on, We'll do a re, re- reintroduction here. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, First of all, let's, let's tell, tell the audience what, what we were just listening to. This is called The Piece for String Quartet and Piano. Uh, it was um, uh, published in uh, 1991, one year before the composer uh, Olivier Messian died. Uh, and uh, performance was by the uh, Cator Rosamand with Yvonne Lauriat Messiaen, which is the wife of Olivier uh, Messian uh, playing piano. But it, what this is is a musical landmark for our subject today, which is a testimony using musical landmarks, and our guest today is Stephen Royal, who is the uh, music director over at St. Patrick's Church in uh, uh, Brighton, Michigan. First of all, I want to welcome you right, uh, back again. Thank, thank you so much for being yes, with us. Thank you.: You're the guy who chose this music. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I'm I'm going right I'm going right there, okay. man. You got to you got to tell <laughs> Help us, us out, man. Yeah.
2: So in, in my early journey, I, I, I listened to I, I preferred 20th century music, uh, and as well as Beethoven and Bach and all that. After my jazz and rock days and all that, but after I became a Christian, I felt like okay, now I got to do music for the Lord, and I had sort of a fundamentalist background there somewhere. So I purposely tried to play and they were poor arrangements of hymns or evangelical hymns for the organ at the church I was at. And I actually stopped playing classical music or this kind of music. And I really felt the Lord really speak to me uh, after a time, actually in a short time, and he said, I felt like he said, play whatever you want and I will bless it. Mm. Oh, wow. And I felt like he was freeing me Mm. to be myself. Mm. Now, I didn't play Messian, although I love Messian. Um, and Messian's written a lot of great organ works. I didn't play Messian church, but I did play a lot of dissonant music, Dupre, Vulture, um, other things that were quite dissonant. And I would pray, God, you said you would bless whatever I play. I like this music. And it kind of took me out of a legalism, that God can bless anything, even if I have legalistic interpretations of what God should bless and, oh,
1: oh, that's a very that's a fascinating. And what was
2: amazing thought. is after I I would pray that God would bl- bless the hearers, and I played whatever I want, and all of a sudden I get all these compliments that I didn't get before. Uh uh-huh. huh. Hmm. So I thought, okay, he means it, okay. and that and that what God was saying is, incarnationally, God can be present in any any style of music. That may or may not be appropriate for this or that, but He can be present. And of course, messian, if you know messian. Um, is a very devout Catholic music, Catholic musician, and this piece is is not uh, directed specific to a spiritual end, but many of his pieces have very spiritual titles, very rich music and After I listened to Messian for a, a time, one time I listened to his entire the, the piece the nativity for organ, which is about two hours long. Even though it's so he has his own musical language, which, by the way, is very organized to match the organization of the cosmos, you have to study it, I felt like I was in heaven. Uh-huh. Hmm. And since then, Messines probably would have been one of my favorite composers uh, most yeah. of my life.
1: You know, one of the things... That,
2: but it's the Holy Spirit that I sense in it after I study it. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Interesting. That's, that's fascinating. And a lot of people wouldn't <clears throat> go there. First of all, it's not popular music. Right, not by a long shot. I mean, you know, you have to be yeah. attracted to it, and and you and you have to say, I I really want to hear this. I right. want to know more. Um, but uh, and you're right about Messian's um, conviction as a Catholic. I mean, he's, he's about as Catholic as the day is long. He's an amazing man in that regard. Um, I I don't know I don't know I don't know how he came to the faith either, which is an interesting thing. I don't
2: know. I know he was inspired when he was young by stained glass windows, and many of his compositions deal with color that he sees in his mind, like mm. the stained glass mm. windows. Yeah. But yeah.
1: the one story I do know about him, and, and uh, I probably should, we've never played it on "Notes from Above" because it's it's a, a a long piece that can't be separated into parts uh but uh he was in uh World War one and was captured uh and put into a prisoner of war camp and uh, he uh, and uh, two other guys uh put together a piece of music that was played on christmas day uh out in the middle of the field uh, you know, I'm talking about mm-hmm. the you know mm-hmm. uh, in the marching area uh mm-hmm. in in the snow
0: is uh, that is that when there was a, a ceasefire Right? No, uh, there was no ceasefire. Day. They were oh, okay. they were captured.
1: Okay. They were prisoners. Oh, that's right. And, they were. And prisoners the name now. of the uh, the name of the piece is uh, in English is uh, "Music for the End of Time," wow. and it, it's loaded because it's it's not only the end of uh, time in terms of Revelation. Okay, because mm-hmm. uh, he's he's going directly to the Book of Revelation with it, but it's also the end of time in in terms of um, meter. And, and rhythm. Uh, and it's uh, once you get your hands on that, and you go, oh, my goodness, this is
2: this is Messiaen's compositions are very obsessed with time. Yes. And so instead of working with 12-tone systems, although I did one piece with 12-tone, it's more of a 12-tone with time. Mm-hmm. And, and also, in this piece you just heard, you notice there were silences. Great silences, and yes. he has a fermata over the rest in the music. What does that mean? I'm sorry. A oh. fermata means you can have as much silence as you want to. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, well, Okay. Within reason, of course. Yeah, sure. But the silence is there for a reason because there's spiritual. God speaks in silence. Yes. that would have been a very messianic, messian thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Messianic, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a hard one to put together.
1: So, okay, so um, you, in in your journey, Mm -hmm. all right. Now you're praying, and you feel as if. the Lord is talking to you. Maybe not feel as if maybe maybe you actually are acknowledging that yeah. this is this is occurring. That's got to be a, a fairly miraculous yeah. period in your life. Yeah.
2: So after being a Christian about a year later, or less than a year later, I was baptized a spirit. So there's a greater intensity of spiritual discernment at that point. Um, so I was able to you know hear the voice of the Lord clearly. But of course, that all you always have to be careful with that. But um, at that, uh, I, I was part of a. When I left college, I was part of a non denominational charismatic community. Okay. It was a covenant community. Um, it was part of the shepherding movement, which sometimes gets a bit of a bad reputation, but for me it was it was hugely beneficial. Mm-hmm. Learned a great deal about how to be a man, how to mm-hmm. work in my role as a man, how to discern God's call. We had small groups. It was very good. Uh, positive discipling experience. But I still had this prejudice that somehow if you're going to really do music for the Lord, it has to be folk music like Paul Stuckey right? or praise bands, which I was in, and we had some brass and drums and all that. But Olivier Messiaen or organ music, there was no place for that if you really wanted to change the world. right? So Olivier Messiaen is is a time when God spoke to me and says, no, I can work through that too. matter f- And then after uh, that community, uh, he started calling me deeper into... Number one, he start, he called me to music, which I was not expecting at all. to mm-hmm. took a pilgrimage up and he called me to music, and that was not on my plan at all. Mm-hmm. And um, the elders of the community said, yeah, we've always seen that, but we're glad you're hearing God now. Because <laughs> 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 I was trying to do everything else but music. And the second thing is, um, God started calling me to something deeper than I found in that community, which was a call to the historic sacramental churches. Oh, And so he... On a retreat I took, I felt the Lord said, "Go back to playing organ," and I, I had stopped playing it for six years. Who? No one comes to the Lord through organ. What's that? It's a bunch of religious, heady stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: For me, classical music represented my heathen life. He- heathen life. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Spiritual. Right. Yeah. So, I argued with God for a year, and I wasn't going to win. No. Nope. So I said, "Okay, fine." So there was some hotshot new organist that came to the cathedral, of Saint Augustine, Kalamazoo. John Balka, He's now passed away. Said, so, can I take lessons from you? I said, sure. And I took lessons, and that was the first time I had ever been in a Catholic church beyond a few minutes because I had to practice there.
0: Mm.
2: And I went at four in the morning before I went to work and practiced in this heavenly cathedral. And I was blown away by the, the sense of the Holy Spirit in that room.
1: Wow! So not just the sound of the room, but actually the, the Holy presence.
2: Spirit in that room. Wow. And I said, there's no charismatic worship conference going on yep. no one's singing mm-hmm. why is the lord present here so much mm. and then i found this book in the basement about mary read that book it's about um uh, lords oh. and i said there's something about the holy spirit and mary you can sense the holy spirit and mary there's a connection here <laughs> and so that began my journey to catholicism and they, they let me play some masses and stuff and i took lessons there to a few recitals and God was clearly calling me back to Oregon and the guy I took lessons from says, You should make this a career. I go, Oh really? I'm in a praise band, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um so long story short, I eventually I went back to get a degree in music and made it a career. Wow. And and then I took my first position, um and I'd just been married, and my wife had a good experience with the Catholic roommate. So she's open to become a Catholic, but it was kind of a novel thing. You're going to become Catholic? You're going to leave our church? I think God's calling me to become Catholic, but it's a weird journey. I don't understand it, but I think that's where I'm going. It felt very much like um, that sci-fi movie. Um, oh, what was that sci-fi movie? I can't remember. It, but the guy had this call. He felt this. It was Spielberg's, one of his first movies. Okay. And the guy had this driven feeling to go to this land, to this Oh, Close site.
1: Encounters of the Third Kind. Close time.
2: Encounters. Oh, that's right. He was driven to go to this site and didn't understand. Right. That's exactly how it felt to me. I was driven wow. to go to the Catholic Church I didn't understand it. Except all of a sudden it hit me like, they've had for 2,000 years what we just discovered in this covenant community. We thought we were rediscovering something new and they've always had it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And it's just it was just revelation upon revelation. It's interesting. Did, did you have? Did you s- uh, sense that there were impediments
1: because of the structural aspects of the, of the Catholic? Sounds to me like you were well, walking right through those.
2: We were a part of the shepherding movement, so we were rediscovering church authority because we saw it in the Bible. Okay. Now, yeah, there's okay. extremes and there's abuses, but there's abuse in every form of church, mm-hmm. in any organization where there's authority, there's abuses. Mm-hmm. I had a very positive experience, so that revelation of a church authority. Which would lead to the idea of bishops and and men and, and all that. I had that, and I thought, okay. The Catholic Church has had this because mm-hmm. uh, I had uh, no upbringing in Catholicism or anything yeah. whatsoever. Let's go on to our well, next selection.
1: Sure. Oh, that, that's fascinating. You know, it's what a what a journey.
0: Quite a journey.
1: The next piece we're going to play, okay, is called Antiphon. Let all the world in every corner sing, uh, and the composer is. Perhaps one of my favorite composers, uh, the Englishman, uh, Ralph Vaughn Williams, um, uh, born 1872, died 1958. Uh, the performance was by the Choir uh, of King's College, Cambridge. And um, so we're going to listen to this. And on the other side, we'll talk a little bit more with Stephen Royal about his journey in faith. But we're going to listen to Antiphon. What a beautiful piece. Powerful. Just, I mean, just grippingly powerful. I just love it. I love the organ in this. I love the choir. I love the size of the room. <laughs> you know, they're, they're singing in uh, in, in uh, King's College in Cambridge. Great choir. Uh, they, by the way, the organist is unnamed in this, which is, to me, is stunning.
2: But what a fine organ that is. Yeah. So, Steve, you, you picked this for a reason. Sure. Sure. Um- so we, 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 we I finished my music degree and moved to Indiana, Elkhart, Indiana, took my first uh, full-time position as a Catholic musician before I became Catholic <laughs> then we became Catholic at Easter Vigil uh, that's another story mm-hmm. um, uh, but unfortunately you know what you read in the theology books what you read in history and what you're enamored by when you first experience liturgy when you're there with real life people it's sometimes very disillusioning mm-hmm. and uh, the associate priest always sang on everything and he was always out of tune and and there, there was a very not much of us at this church we went to was not like the cathedral it was hard to sense the Holy Spirit uh, mm. uh, except for the rosary ladies they were always full of the Holy Ghost yeah. which again spoke about Mary to me yeah. and and uh, but my wife left the Catholic Church, and I have the most wonderful Aww. wife in the world. Mm. Uh, but it was just she just couldn't feel anything, and it was and she was stuck in the pews. While I'm doing music, stuck Hi. in the pews. Where our son is autistic; mm. he's squirreling around, and people would glare at her and glare at him, and Aww. and uh, it was just really hard. Yeah. Um, so she just left and went to a, a kind of a non-denominational church with the kids, and I said that's fine. It had mm. lively music and stuff, mm. uh, but. Um, uh my son who is autistic, he's now thirty eight, um, wasn't didn't do well with the move. Mm-hmm. And so she was gonna quit her job and homeschool him and I said, No, um you make almost twice as much as I do. She's a public school teacher, not maybe not quite that much. You have paid vacations, you have summers off,
0: mm-hmm. good insurance and,
2: I, and and all this, <laughs> and I instinctively knew what to do with Stephen, my son, his name's Stephen too. Mm-hmm. And she didn't and I just said, guys, communicate without words. We communicate. I said, I'll resign. Mm-hmm. So uh, and then I homeschooled him and my daughter, which was probably a tremendous decision because it gave them a great foundation with their dad, which mm-hmm. is still with them to this day. Mm-hmm. Then I took a little small part-time job at an Anglican church. And mm-hmm. I was privileged. We we uh, I conducted from the council, played that, and, and conducted the choir. We did that piece. And that's why I chose that piece. Yeah. And uh, it was a very Anglican High Church, wonderful liturgy, smells and bells.
1: Right, right. Very you nice know, time. One of the things I love about the Anglican Church is is their their music. It's just unbelievable. Well, their
2: liturgy is wonderful too. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, uh, that's and it's wonderful that you were able to do that. And obviously, you can see that there's 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 much to be said with that music. And uh, for you, I'm sure that that was an exciting an exciting thing. But I wanted to go and just just a little. A little thought on this your decision to work with your wife for the sake of your family um it's that's that's an important thing i think for all of us to know about okay when when you're at peace with your decision okay then it's the right decision to make and uh, I think that that's something that, that uh, husbands and wives need to strive for. How can we be at peace? Make that proper decision. So it was an act of bravery and a great one. I'm so glad you were able to do that. Uh, we're going to go and take this uh, next piece, the final piece for the day, but we'll take it to a fade. But I wanted to, to uh, uh, have you set this up a little bit, if you would. Is this the...
2: Uh, that's the right. This, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, if you can get to that, be great. This is um, just something that... Uh, uh, so I continue with the, the church career, and of course, I, I remain faithful to the Catholic Church, uh, although I missed quite a few Masses when I'm playing at other churches, and that wasn't good. But uh, I've done the church career thing like the, you know, with pieces like Antiphon and, and so forth, so uh, work goes on. Uh, the last piece I chose because um, when I was finishing my Master's degree in Theology, I would go to this... Uh, the last few years in, in Indiana I would go to this church it was also a non-denominational church I mean I, I was Catholic but I would do this on the side and they have what's called uh, uh, it's it's called International House of Prayer and it came out of Kansas City with Mike Bickle uh, and um, it's, a, it's a very ordered process they do two hour sessions of either intercession or meditation on scripture and it's very anointed by the Holy Spirit it was very beneficial to me and eventually I was involved with playing with them um and it is basically uh few people who have are gifted in the holy spirit will um will pray in this in this recording there's prayer of intercession and the musicians behind them basically a praise band uh, will improvise behind them and then the singers will come in and improvise based on what the prayers were and it becomes wow. this really fluid thing right. uh, it's very beautiful alright well
1: Steve thank you so much yes, for being with you. us today on Thanks thank for having me great it's a great program and um, let's listen to this then I think you'll, you'll enjoy this and I would much. like to
2: see more of this in, in, uh, in adoration and other venues besides the mass the awesome okay thanks All Thanks right. for bringing that up <laughs> let's, let's listen to it tonight
3: I'll be praying for the church in Kansas City I'll be praying out of Romans 15 verse 5 and 6 may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the father may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit father tonight We lift up the church in this city. God, I thank you that you are our father, that we are your children, that we can lift our gaze to you, God, tonight to where our help comes from. We thank you, God, that you are our help in times of trouble. And Lord, I just thank you for your nearness, that you are near to us, that you are a real God, who hears our prayers, who hears our cries, that you love us, that you are for us, and that you are with us. Tonight, God, I'm I'm asking that you would unify the church in this city. Lord, would you cause love to abound still more and more in our hearts? God, I'm asking that you would tenderize our hearts all across this city, that we would not have hearts that are hardened by offense, by tragedy, by sorrows, but Lord, I'm asking that you would soften the hearts of the church in this city, God. That we would remember your faithfulness in times of trials. That we would remember your faithfulness in trauma, in chaos, Lord. That we would remember, Lord, that we have built our lives on the firm foundation. That though winds may come, though floods may come, our foundation is firm in you, God. That our hope is anchored in you, God. And so tonight, God, I'm asking that you would bring unity to the church all across the city, Lord. That you would fill us with your supernatural joy. Your supernatural peace, God. Your supernatural hope. Lord, I'm asking that the peace of Christ that surpasses understanding would guard our hearts and guard our minds today lord i'm asking that you would give us fresh hope that we would remember that our hope is anchored in jesus christ that there is a day that jesus is coming back for a unified and a pure and spotless bride and so lord i'm asking that you would pour out your spirit all across this city god would you would you turn our hearts towards one another would you cause love to abound god i'm asking lord where the enemy is trying to divide and bring strife and tension and anger in brothers and sisters in christ i'm asking lord would you give us grace to walk out the first and second commandment well that we would have grace to love the lord our god with all of our heart soul mind and strength and that we would have grace to love each other as you have loved us Lord, I'm asking that you would would give us grace to have edifying speech towards one another. That we would choose to bless and not curse each other with our words. Lord, I'm asking that love would abound still more and more. So in the name of Jesus, I'm asking, would you strengthen the church in Kansas City with unity?
0: Strengthen the church with unity, God.
3: Let your love abound.
0: Let your love abound.
3: Fill us with joy and peace. Peace in believing good about each other. Help us love one another. Make us whole. Strengthen us. Fill us with your love, God. Bind us together in love. Unify us.